Welcome. You're listening to the Consensus State Change Podcast, an interview series inspired by the emerging decentralization phenomenon. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Hey, Arthur, how are you? Good, man. Sorry I left, pushed this so late. I was just having a good good old chat with mom, and it was just like, well... You can, I don't want to replace every uh, chat with your mom. <laughs> no, not at all. It, it ran its course. Cool. So, uh, so we're going to cover, we're going to cover uh, Infura, probably what it's been like to battle all these hacks as someone trying to keep a service running. Right, yeah. And then a bit about uh, Ethereum community stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Are we going right into it, or is that, we're well? I mean, you know, of anything that's of interest, I'll edit in if it's you know. So today on the State Change Podcast, we have Michael Wheeler. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Yeah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So you're one of the project leads on Infura, and you also host the uh, or, or organize the New York Ethereum Meetup, which has recently crossed the fifteen hundred subscriber mark. Actually, 1,600. So, yeah, we're growing. Wow, awesome. We are the second largest uh, Ethereum meetup community in the world behind London, and uh, hopefully someday we'll catch them. But we do have the advantage of being in New York City, so we have a lot of in- interested population to uh, join us. Awesome. So uh, let's start with Infura. Now, I, that's a, a bootstrapping tool for, um, for distributed networks, uh, in particular, Ethereum and IPFS. Could you describe how that all works and what it's been like recently with all of the uh, with all of the shenanigans that have been taking place on the Ethereum network? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Infura is a secure and stable hosted IPFS and Ethereum nodes. So, uh, at consensus, there's uh, about 40 projects going on, and each one of those projects develop uh, different things, different tools, different applications for the Ethereum platform. It made a lot of sense uh, for consensus rather than having each of those projects have to worry about uh, spinning up their Ethereum nodes so that they could develop against. It made sense to kind of create this shared service uh, that all of those all of those different spokes or projects could just leverage. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of Infura. Um, so Infura really is just the concept is let's develop a, a cluster out in the cloud. We put it in Microsoft Azure Cloud and and, and AWS coming soon. Uh, and we have it uh, highly scalable, fault tolerant, uh, multi-clients behind the scenes. So we've got the Go Ethereum client, uh, Geth. We've got Parity in there, have plans to include other clients as well. So the idea being that as these applications get more and more robust and mission critical and, and in full production deployment, uh, they don't really want to be dependent on a single Ethereum node running on localhost. Um, and why not have a full-scale hosted platform behind them so that uh, we can guarantee reliability? So that that's really it in a nutshell. Um, now, you also mentioned... Kind of the shenanigans. So the, the the challenge that we have is uh, this technology, this whole ecosystem is very new, as you know. 
a little bit over a year old that the Ethereum network has been live. And uh, so there's a lot of changes going into the clients day by day. There's there's attackers who uh, have been interested in taking down the Ethereum network for, for one reason or another. I guess when there's when there's economic incentives to do so, uh, attackers can manipulate the Ethereum network to their advantage. So we saw that happen on the morning of DevCon, the, the very Monday morning at 6 a.m. Uh, woke up to find out that the Ethereum network was under attack. Joe Lubin uh, kind of got us out of bed, and we were walking around the streets of Shanghai at 6 in the morning looking for a, uh, a cafe with internet access so we could uh, figure out what was going on. So we, we kind of quickly went into response mode and shifted all the traffic over to parity at that point. And we recovered pretty quickly, which was good at the time. Um, so I think uh, one of the benefits that we've seen, uh, one of the kind of amazing things about the way that the Ethereum protocol specification was laid out was the, the, the call for having multiple different client implementations. Because we really got saved by the fact that Parity was around. Um, if we had been completely dependent on the Go Ethereum client, um, the network would have probably been uh, shut down at that point, and it would have been a very different DevCon, I believe. But given that we had Parity, we were able to shift a lot of the traffic over to the Go Ethereum team's credit. They were extremely quick to respond and get a patch out there. But that has been going on. There's been four different attacks in the last uh, three weeks at this point. Uh, they patched it again today. It looks like we're back fine, but it's an ongoing battle with these things. And I think that that paints even more of a uh, picture as to why a service like Infura, I mean, if you're a developer, you don't really want to have to sit here and fight with patching your, your Ethereum nodes. You just want to write your code, get it deployed, and make sure that your users are using it and satisfied. And uh, we're trying to be, as Infura, the ones who solve that other half of the equation for you. So the idea is not only can you offer a, diversif- a, a diversification of an operations team by, uh, by, ba- by be playing a, a kind of a backstop there, but you can also offer a diversified, uh, a diversified client offering. No, no, exactly. So, so yes, yeah, so we use uh, multiple clients on the back end. We have a service layer uh, in front that uh, as we continue to make it more and more mature, it will do kind of more smart routing of incoming requests. We're building an early warning detection system into the service layer whereby we will be monitoring the different clients for their health and, and, and status and uh, detecting things like uh, whether uh, one particular client is falling behind on uh, on syncing with the chain or not, and if it is, we'll take it out of service. So those types of things. We're trying to get to a point where we can make the the underlying infrastructure uh, as stable and reliable and predictable as possible, so that um, as developers write their code and write their smart contracts, um, those smart contracts are going to execute exactly as they they intend to execute. But that's if and only if the Ethereum network is up and running as it should be. So we're trying to make sure that it is up and running as it should be for the developers that we uh, that we're serious. And so you do the same as well for IPFS. Uh, all right, yeah. So uh, I focused that before on, on Ethereum, 
but we see IPFS as kind of the data storage layer that applications will need. So we also have hosted nodes for IPFS, and we uh, have intentions to continue to work very closely with, with the team at IPFS to build out services to make that available as well within our service offering. So what is the relationship between, I, I mean, there's an obvious answer to this question, but, um, but I'd, I'd still like to hear you, uh, hear you voice it and then potentially elaborate because you would know more than anyone. So what is the relationship between IPFS and Ethereum? So if you think of Ethereum as the world computer, uh, the world compute, right? So what is, what is lacking is, a, is an ability to store data. It's very expensive to store data on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, so you need some way to, uh, if you truly want to have a distributed, decentralized application, uh, you need to per- be able to persi- persist data. So uh, I think uh, IPFS has shown to be uh, uh, the leading tool to do that. I know that the Ethereum Foundation is working on Swarm as well, uh, but uh, and and that might also emerge at some point as a viable solution as well for that for that use case. But for now, IPFS and what Wamban is doing and his team is uh, kind of leading the way. So moving on to the meetups, how did you find yourself? When did you start the, uh, the Ethereum New York meetup and how did, that, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great story. So I was a, kind of a follower of Bitcoin going back to 2011, uh, kind of in the earlier days of Bitcoin. I followed it for many, many years and uh, was fascinated by it and I really believed in it and then in 2014 early 2014 it was probably just maybe a couple months after the miami bitcoin conference when vitalik and the others announced ethereum i i read about ethereum and i I instantly kind of understood it got it it kind of clicked inside the light bulb went off in my head so that summer they had the crowd sale at the time I, i was kind of looking around in new york city um interested in trying to meet with other people just to talk about it. I felt like there'd be opportunities to do something really cool as uh, Ethereum came out. But at the time in New York, there wasn't anything. So uh, towards the fall of 2014, I just created a meetup, not having any idea what would come of it. And I held my first meetup at a little bar over on Third Avenue in Midtownish. And uh, eight people showed up. Uh, one of those was Joe Lubin <laughs> and Ashley Taylor, Roman Mandelil. So like a few well-known people in the Ethereum community showed up. Uh, so uh, right away I realized, okay, well, we've got some, you know, we've got someone who kind of knows something about what's going on. Um, so I kind of fell into it a little bit lucky in that. And then our second meetup a month later, it was November-ish of 2014, uh, uh, believe it or not, Vitalik shows up to my meetup and gives a talk along with Gavin Wood and Jeff Wilk is there. So we got kickstarted pretty quickly um, in New York and uh, just went from there. So I continued to hold those meetups for a long, long time. And I still do today. I have one next week, actually three more this month. So it's been an exciting time. I really enjoyed doing it. Do you find that that's kind of, that that's helped you in your understanding of, uh, of, Ethereum itself, and how do you find the uh, the general how and how do you find the understanding of Ethereum that the attendees have? How do you find that's evolved over time? Yeah, I think it's been interesting for sure. Just 
the, the, the types of people that have come into the meetups and the backgrounds and where they're coming from. Initially, it was a lot of kind of crypto developer type people. And I'm talking about back almost two years ago now. But then going into last year and, and, and now into 20, 2016, it's interesting how it's shifted. It's a lot more business people. You're getting a lot more lawyers and people from the banks, uh, people with suits and ties showing up, whereas early on it was T-shirts and hoodies and things. So as far as how it helps me understand, I, I think it helps me just to recognize how how broadly reaching the concepts and ideas uh, and, and the touch points that I think people feel that Ethereum will have on different uh, sectors and different lines of businesses. So moving forward, I guess you would have as uh, as good an idea or as pragmatic an idea as anyone. Uh, how do you see the space evolving as it as it moves forward? I mean, because right. I look at Infura, and that's a I mean that's a centralized solution to uh, to to bootstrapping a decentralized network. So yeah, how how what's your opinion about how that will uh, how that will evolve over time? Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because that is kind of, as we like to call it, that's the elephant in the room when, when I talk about Ethereum to people, is exactly that. The, the notion of the, the Ethereum uh, movement, the, the blockchain movement, is we're building a decentralized uh, set of tools to allow people to communicate and people to interact and to transact without relying on a centralized service. And, and here we are coming in saying, uh, send everything through Infura, right? <laughs> So I think there'll be a time uh, when we get mature enough. Uh, I, I, I liken where we are today in this whole thing as to like where the internet was uh, 20 years ago, you know, like late 90s. Um, it's like we're still so early on that, that right now what we're trying to do with Infura is just re- remove as much friction as we can to allow developers to start to deploy code. We feel like if we can get more and more development and more more code and more solid code written out there. This will just help things move forward. I suspect that I believe at some point it may be unnecessary to have a service like Infura as uh, the technology matures and as we get things like light clients uh, that are able to um, be more stable and things. So we'll have to figure out where we are in a few years. But for now, I think there's definitely a need to make sure that we just enable developers to do what they do best, which is write code. And that's that's what we're trying to do. Where can people find out more about Infura? And uh, and where can people find out more about uh, the meetups and uh, and what you've been doing over there? Sure, great. So uh, you can go to uh, infura.io, that's I-N-F-U-R-A dot I-O. And there you can sign up to get access to start to use our tools today. I've written a few Medium posts on making that simple, um, which you can just Google for that and hopefully you'll find that. And then as far as the meetups, you can go to ethereum.nyc and that will take you right over there. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see you in New York whenever I get there. Yeah, see you soon. All right. Take it easy, Mike. Thanks for listening to State Change. Check out consensusmedia.net for more.